Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. This is the fourth and final show in our What Does Intermodal Mean to You series in partnership with IANA, the Intermodal Association of North America. It's always a little sad to come to the end of a series because I love having the opportunity to talk to our industry leaders in more detail, but I've really enjoyed it and I hope you all have too. In episode three, we talked about the technology that's involved in the intermodal industry and how it keeps freight moving, the importance of connectivity and partnerships, why technology companies themselves are attracted to the intermodal industry, and the role IANA thinks tech will play in the industry moving forward. And today, in episode four, our final episode, we're putting the spotlight on workforce development, the impact, skills, challenges, and advice with Mark McKendry, VP of North American Intermodal for NFI. So welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you for having me, Sarah. I'm excited to be here. I am excited for you to be here too, because workforce development is a huge topic, and I'm really glad that we are tackling that today. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do, and what is the one thing that would surprise people about the intermodal industry? Okay. So um, I lead NFI's North American Intermodal Product, which is comprised of both asset and non-asset solutions in both Canada and the United States. We control or manage roughly 65,000 shipments per year, uh, with the bulk of that being a non-asset type solution, uh, which is to say that we acquire temporary use of assets from railroads and other asset line haul owners, uh, and we resell them to our customer base. Awesome. And what do you think the one thing would be that would surprise people about this industry? I think that intermodal... uh, the perception around it is that you know it's a minor player relative to truck in the industry. And while that's less true in Canada than it is in the United States, I still think a lot of people would be surprised to know that there's roughly 13, uh, almost 14 million shipments per year that travel intermodally within uh, North America. We're talking about workforce development today. So what are the trends in the industry that could potentially impact the current and future workforce? There's a lot of interesting trends within supply chain at large that are going to affect all the modes that service it. So within my world and the workforce that powers this world, uh, e-commerce acceleration has been something that's been extremely notable and something worth watching because, you know, where you position your labor, it tends to be where you position inventory. Uh, Oftentimes, people in the intermodal space will establish offices that are regionally proximate to their customer base. That's why there is so much intermodal activity in Chicago. Um, There are so many decision makers in Chicago, and it happens to be a a very rail-centric town. Um, I think that the change that we're seeing in e-commerce means that there are smaller distribution hubs all across North America. And that has created a bit of a decentralized uh, decision-making model within shippers and the carriers alike. Uh, Where we live and where we play and where we work is looking very, very different, uh, even leading up to the pandemic. I think that trend's going to continue. And strangely, what's powering a lot of that is e-commerce and the change in the distribution networks uh, that underpin what makes e-commerce providers successful. Wow. And I'm glad that you brought up the e-commerce point because I think, you know, everybody can relate to that, right? Everybody is buying more online, especially with the pandemic. You know, they're buying groceries online and they're getting those delivered. And I think 
e-commerce, like you said, with all of the micro distribution centers, instead of having one big distribution center, they're moving their distribution centers closer to um, their customers. Mm -hmm. And so they're able to employ people in different areas than they would have necessarily before. I think that's that's a huge driver for where people are deciding to, to, to be and stay employed. I also think that, you know, the pandemic has brought us maybe 10 years into the future to show us what decentralized work can really look like. And whether you're in the banking industry, the transportation industry, or technology, um, your ability to work anywhere has never been more uh, prevalent and more, I would say, bright in terms of a future. You, we, you know, you often see, at least today, um, folks applying for positions that you may have posted up in Dallas. They could be anywhere, uh, frankly. And you know, whereas in the past, I would probably not consider applicants who you know had to make a relocation or or maybe just work remotely. I can say that my own mindset has changed around this, and and I'm much more open to it than I would have been in the past. And that's great to see. And I'm hearing that more and more around the industry. Um, and so the other thing that I'm hearing a lot about is skills. I get a lot of questions from the community. I get people that message me directly asking me about skills and what they should be focusing on, what they should be upskilling um, on right now. So what are some of the primary skills needed of the current workforce? Where are there gaps that we need to fill to meet the current needs? The one you're going to hear the most about, Sarah, and you probably already have, is the truck driver shortage. Um, you know, there are, are a lot of hard skills in this industry. Uh, I would say that truck driving would be uh, something that's prevalent across all of transportation, obviously, and it's something that we're we're struggling with on um, both the drayage side and the over the road highway side. Um, that that problem is only going to become more acute down the road. So I'm going to talk here briefly about some other things, but uh, truck drivers is um, a very hot topic today, and one of the things that that's out there. Um, regulatory wise is a desire to lobby Washington to look at reducing the age of truck drivers from 21 uh, to 18. And, you know, that, that there are both sides of an argument here, but the one thing that, that could possibly relieve um, the, the desire to have more truck drivers and, and get them back into the workforce or get them into the workforce at a greater number would be, you know, getting uh, young um, employees at a time where they're about to make a very crucial decision to either go to college or get into another industry. We want that industry to be truck driving. Um, there, there is a lack of appeal in, you know, you hear this and this is a soundbite I hear often, you know, young people aren't interested in being truck drivers, but the reality is we are presenting these opportunities to them after they've already made pretty critical decisions in their lives. And sometimes one of those decisions is to take on hundred thousand dollars or more of student debt and you know they don't necessarily view as a truck driving career as being conducive to paying that often or in a quick time frame so i think that if you know legislation goes through there would have to be a lot of checks and balances to make sure that they have equal qualifications to someone who's 21 or older um, but cdl licenses are, are not necessarily easy to get so you know we think that um you know they can meet that standard um but obviously public safety trumps uh, a labor shortage. Some of the, uh, the the other things that I would promote to anyone looking to join the intermodal industry beyond just truck drivers is curiosity. Uh, 
it's not a hard skill. It's not accounting. It, it's certainly not legal. Um, it's not an MBA either. But what it can do is is make you a great generalist. And you know, I sort of identify as a generalist who's done a bit of everything. And within intermodal, what makes you successful amongst the hard skills is a willingness to learn everything that goes into making up an intermodal solution. So whether that is truck dispatch, the hard uh, life of being a dispatcher, managing a trucking operation at some level, um, understanding how railroads work, getting involved in customer service to work on being delicate with communicating bad news sometimes. Uh, And this is a high exception environment we work in. So you have to have a thick skin and you also have to be able to package up information for a customer uh, that they can act upon, whether that means diverting freight, whether that means just calming their superiors down and making sure that, you know, they're, they're thinking around solutions and not uh, barking orders. And, and that's, that's a skill that very few people possess, but you really gain that through a curiosity that, we all have at some level within our lives, but not all of us always apply it to um, our, our careers. And if you can be someone who wants to dabble in sales, operations, finance, IT, Intermodal is a great home for you if you demonstrate that you have that willingness and that desire uh, to learn uh, everything that goes into making up a, an Intermodal marketing company or a non-asset or an, even an asset-based solutions provider. Um it spans a lot of verticals and being curious can, can certainly get you into a leadership role within this industry. Yeah. I'm really glad that you talk about that because it's something that I mentioned to a lot of supply chain management students that are coming out of college or university as well is just get into supply chain and try everything, right? There's so many different avenues that you can take. There's so much to learn. There's so much exposure and opportunity to different things that'll give you both the hard and the soft skills as well. And so just getting into intermodal and seeing what opportunities and possibilities there are out there will open your eyes so much. That's right. I really think that every role in intermodal is a stepping stone into another role. And I think that's true of any industry. Um, But so many people just sort of get uh, typecast into a certain role and they need to break free of that. And that's not something you can train in. A lot of people have to have that natural curiosity uh, or at least pursue it and be trained to look for these opportunities to move laterally. A lot of people are really averse to taking lateral moves. And I noticed that, you know, college graduates who Uh, first get out of school who really do need a role that allows them to accelerate in their lives and and maybe pay down some of the debt that they've incurred um, are, are, are more apt, strangely, to be typecast. So they need to really break the shackles, embrace the lateral move, Uh, because they're going to learn something that makes them more well-rounded and really does prepare them for the next level. And just get started. Yes. Yes. Right? Just get started. So one of the other things that I talk about when um, speaking about workforce development is technology. Um, It's always, you know, a skill or something that somebody has come to me and, and asked, or if they haven't, if they're just asking for a skill in general, I usually bring up technology. So how is technology affecting or changing the current workforce in intermodal? It's a really great question. And and one thing I will say is that, you know, intermodal, and I'll, I'll take a few steps back here. Intermodal is a collection of, of folks that is relatively small and relatively niche. I mean, uh, speaking specifically around domestic intermodal, there's not a lot of people who do this kind of work. Um, some of the best intermodal operators 
tend to come from railroads or tend to be of a railroad type culture. Um, I think that while there are plenty of leaders who will say that technology is accelerating and intermodal, I have to disagree to an extent. I really believe that what we're seeing in the over the road space is quite um, impressive and and relative to what we're doing in intermodal, uh, I would say much more advanced. Now, it's a less complicated mode. Uh, intermodal has a minimum of, of three service partners involved to execute one single movement. Truck has one. Um, you know, in the international world, that three becomes five, maybe six. Uh, mm-hmm. And you also have the complexities of customs that go into that. So to create technology in that space is obviously harder. Uh, and therefore, the barrier ent- to entry being higher means you have less participants. But I would suggest that you know the way we engage technology as individuals needs to be the way we engage with technology in our daily lives as employees and as leaders in this industry. And we're not quite there yet. I, I find that a lot of the change that the folks in intermodal face technologically are brought about by demands from the customer base. And I think by and large, that's a really good thing. However, I think what would be a better thing is if the industry itself was pulling itself forward, uh, technologically speaking. There are far too many proprietary pieces of technology in this space, um, from the TMS level to the customer portals. And you know, I think that there's no real dominant player you know, JB Hunt's platform is impressive, and I think it it fills a lot of the market need. Um, but again, it's one of those digital freight marketplaces that matches supply and demand. It's not necessarily an end-to-end um, piece of technology that marries up the rail, the drayage, um, and both the operating and the customer-facing sides. So I would say that that's a really long-winded way of saying that while it's changing, it could change faster and for the better. Um, uh, Automation of mundane tasks is a reality, and that's a good thing. You know, to recruit in a tight labor market for work that um, can be done by a machine is less than ideal, especially in an operation that operates on pretty thin margins, which I think my intermodal peers would agree is is very much our reality. Um, you know, being lean and mean is the name of the game in intermodal, and technology can enable that if we're pursuing it uh, correctly and, and we're looking at back office integrations mm-hmm. and uh, front end integrations with our customers that allow for that. And I would say that, you know, how that affects the workforce is being competent, capable, and and one uh, that embraces change. And the age of this workforce in intermodal, uh, I, I have to say, is changing for the better. It's get, We're getting younger, and that's a good thing. Uh, but we very much are an older demographic compared to the truck brokerage space and some of the, uh, the different players in transportation, whether that's LTL, Final Mile, and Parcel. Uh, and we don't want to be left behind. So when it comes to recruitment, I think we need to be looking at people who wouldn't traditionally fit the bill of operators in intermodal. And I think that that diversity of thought is going to lead us down a better path, technologically speaking, and obviously create super users out of our operators and our customer service folks. Absolutely. You said a couple of things there that I I really liked is, you know, getting comfortable with change, obviously diversity of thought. But I also think one other thing to just add in here is if you are in intermodal already, or if you're looking to get into intermodal, I think having some sort of skill in technology or at least understanding it would be um, a really, really good skill to have as we move into the future, as things get a little bit more technology 
technologically advanced. Um, And so that's just one thing that I would add in there. But I think that that was a really great response to that question. What do you see as the greatest challenge to individuals entering the intermodal industry right now? Is there any barriers? Um, You know, what, what, what are they facing when they when they take a look at intermodal? Well, it depends on how they engage with intermodal. I mean, they they could join a railroad. Um, they could obviously work for a asset-based line haul carrier. Uh, they could work for a non-asset provider. There's a number of different ways they could enter this space. And, you know, if I were to prescribe the perfect pathway, it would look something like join a railroad, but leave before it makes you too hard. Work for an asset-based carrier to learn how those networks work, and then finish your career in the non-asset space uh, where you get to engage with your customers more thoughtfully and without um, some of the operational concerns that that drag you down in the future. But, you know, when you first enter this space, whether you're working at a railroad or you're working at an IMC or you're working at a hub or a Schneider or a JB Hunt, you're not going to enter prepared. It's just not possible. Um, there's no real course out there at college or, or even, you know, uh, some of the career colleges out there don't really offer uh, a 101 to intermodal that actually could prepare you. Certainly, you'll understand the fundamentals of transportation, supply chain, and logistics overall. Everyone is up for this task. It is a great in- industry to work in. Uh, I can't say enough great things about the people that I work with day in and day out, my friends at the railroads, at the drayage carriers that we engage with, uh, at all of the different service providers that execute our solutions. I think that uh, it's made up of some of the best people in the world. Uh, being creative, uh, being innovative and solutions oriented. Um, I can also say that, you know, getting as much experience in the hard verticals of drayage and rail transportation will make you a very well-rounded and highly sought after resource in this industry. Um, I go back to my earlier comment about being a generalist. If you understand the fundamentals of customer service, operations, a little bit of IT, and certainly finance, you can do wonderful things in uh, in this industry. So before I get to the next question, you mentioned IMC. Can you just mm-hmm. let the audience know what that stands for? Sure. IMC stands for Intermodal Marketing Company, and they are largely non-asset regionalized providers of intermodal solutions. Um, one of the key strengths of an IMC is their optionality. They get to work with a number of different line hall providers uh, that cover different networks so that they can provide um full saturation to a routing guide, which is to say that they can provide solutions to large shippers and small shippers that cover 100% of their network with intermodal solutions, with truck brokerage solutions. Uh, There aren't many IMCs who only do intermodal. A lot of them have branched out into the truck brokerage space as well. So it's a great place to start your career. It's a great place to finish your career. It gives you broad exposure to the railroads, how they operate, to the line haul providers, how they operate, and what intermodal networks look like as well as just supply chain at large, because they are very relationship driven and they tend to have uh, stronger relationships with their customers than some of the larger, uh, less nimble line haul providers. That was a perfect explanation. I'm so glad you shared that with us because I think it's, you know, really important for the next generation to really understand and get to know the different players and the opportunities that are available to them. Another thing that um, I talk to people a lot about, especially in supply chain and in intermodal, is about how we're developing the workforce for the future. 
How are we talking to them? How are we engaging with them? How are we getting them into our respective industries? So what efforts are being done by companies to develop the workforce of the future? Yeah, within intermodal, I mean, we run the gamut. Uh, obviously, on-campus recruiting uh, is is big for us. Word of mouth is one of the key ways we we drag people into intermodal. I think we we sort of convince them to join us, and then we hold their attention for thirty years. Um, obviously, we've evolved in the ways we recruit. From a sales perspective, it's traditional in the sense that we we engage uh, headhunters and uh, recruiters of all levels. Um, whether you're looking to be, whether we're looking to bring on a sales executive or a vice president of sales, you know, typically the people in intermodal are well known, and there aren't many of us, as I pointed out earlier. So, you know, we we do try uh, to recruit through the, both the traditional and creative ways. I think when it comes to the next generation, which is the focus here, uh, a lot of it related to on-campus recruiting and exposing the benefits of transportation at large, and, and focusing on intermodal where necessary to bring people into an NFI, as an example, and have them focus on, you know, either creating solutions for customers or executing solutions for customers or acquiring more customers, depending on where their skills would align. Unfortunately, with the pandemic, a lot of the great things we were doing in the recruiting space are unfortunately on hold. Um, Cross-training is another key initiative that we have. We are a large organization. We have 13,000 employees, and there's got to be a percentage of them that would love to spend their time in intermodal. But unfortunately, our our ability to cross-train and and have face-to-face communications to promote that are, are limited right now. Um, and I, you know, I'd be curious to see in a year or two from now how much productivity could be potentially lost from the pandemic. We know it'll be a staggering number, uh, but one of the side effects, unfortunately, will be, you know, a pause on, on how we recruit and how we engage. But, you know, this is an area that has been growing. Transportation has not shrunk with COVID. There was obviously a few months where it was a little uncertain, but ever since then, the economy, at least within finished goods and containerized traffic, has accelerated, and the need for more people is present and here. And for you know, to give you an example of some of the things that are are real in my world today is, you know, we talked about remote workers. I now have a remote worker in one of my offices, one of the four intermodal offices at NFI, uh, based out of Los Angeles to service the uh, Pacific Northwest for us. And I anticipate there'll be more of that because the pandemic has created both opportunities and challenges for us. And, and that's one of the ways we're going to meet it. I That's great. And I like that you're talking about cross-training. I think cross-training is super important. I think we talk about it a lot. I think that it's just really important to somebody's career path, right? And and getting to understand your teams, getting getting to understand the individuals from a holistic perspective, getting to understand what their goals are, where they would like to go in their career, what that could look like for them. Um, And so I think cross-training is important to that. I also think mentorship is really important to that. And it sounds to me like you're one of those people that are doing that in this industry, and, and that's great. So are there certain levels of education that someone would be expected to have to get into this industry? It's a great question, and it's something that's strangely very hotly debated right now. I mean, there is, and I think this is not a new debate. I think it's cyclical. Anytime you get compression in labor markets, which with unemployment as high as it is right now, is it's kind of strange that we're having this conversation and talking about hot labor markets. But uh, we know that will change and we'll go sort of back into where we were in early 2020 and late 2019, which is to say that the competition 
for um, very qualified individuals is real. I would say that educationally, you know, there is a pretty strong argument for not needing college degrees for many of the roles in our industry. Um, truck drivers traditionally don't uh, come from Cornell and Harvard, and and that's not a slight on them. I think that that's actually great. There's there there's a great career to be had in truck driving, and I wish that more people would embrace it because not only is there a financial reward to being a truck driver, you know, increasingly there's more flexibility in the industry uh, and with employers as to hours of service your, your routes, um, you know, how much, uh, you get in terms of benefits beyond just the financial incentives. So there's a lot there, but it, it becomes difficult to recruit because of a, a flawed perception. Um, I would say that, you know, for certain roles, you, the hard skills like accounting and, and I would say even leadership, you definitely want to have post-secondary, uh, but there is a great career to be had for someone who has graduated high school uh, and and wants to you know earn a strong salary um, and and have a great bright career at a company where they're going to have good benefits and and a trajectory should they decide to accelerate their training down the road and that's that's actually what I did I you know I I did not I joined the railroad right out of high school um, and I was lucky to be employed at a railroad at a time where they were not looking uh, to to employ people who did not have a college degree. And I went back to school while working there. And I just think that that's an opportunity that too many people miss. They, you know, they feel like they they can't uh, break the cycle of of education and they have to stay uh, in school. And and I can I'm a pretty good example of why that's not always true. And I think that. You know, when we look at how we post jobs and the types of people that we look to fill those roles, they um, they often say college degree by default, but that's not necessarily the future for us. I strongly believe in career oriented colleges. I you know I serve as a mentor with Access Employment here in Toronto, Toronto, Canada. Um, they they bring a lot of highly skilled individuals uh, to the the forefront, and they're very good as an NGO at promoting you know, new Canadians into supply chain who have a skill set for supply chain, whether that's procurement aspects or transportation or distribution. And um, I think that if you are, if you're a creative employer and you're really in sync with how hot this labor market can be, you would be wise to really drop the college requirement and look to skilled career colleges uh, and look to, um, you know, high school graduates as a possible solution for many, in fact, the majority of the roles in logistics. I'm so glad you shared that with me. You and I have similar paths. I actually went into supply chain right after high school and um, then did all of my technical training and, and, and training that I wanted to do. I had an idea once I got into supply chain and sort of saw the path that I could take and really wanted to go get, you know, designations and certifications in specific aspects of supply chain. And so I followed the exact same path that you did. And so I'm glad that you were able to share that. So with a mission to promote the growth of efficient intermodal freight transportation through innovation, education, and dialogue, IANA is the only organization that represents the combined interests of the intermodal freight transportation industry. With members from the supplier, rail, marine, and motor carrier sectors, they're building a truly connected industry to create a more efficient and innovative supply chain environment for us all. For more information about IANA, check out their website at 
intermodal.org. Thank you, Mark, for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Yeah, it was a great way to round out the series. And a big thank you to Ayanna for helping to make this happen and to you for listening. If you did, if you enjoyed our latest mini-series in partnership with Ayanna and want to discover more about the hot topics right now in supply chain, don't forget we have plenty more amazing podcasts for you over at letstalksupplychain.com.